Just kidding. It's not that. It's not that bad. Um, and so, and so, this guy John Tyson he said this about um, our society, which I think is so good. Um, the soil of secularism, progressivism, progressive Christianity, all these things don't have the nutrients for the human heart to flourish in environments like this. We need more from times like this than our culture has the capacity to give us. And can everybody say amen? I mean, if you haven't figured that out by now, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what to say to you. Our world is lost. We have blind leading blind. No doubt about it. Yet we have before us the scriptures. Um, and in 1 Peter 2, Peter is writing to the people he cares about, the people of God he's connected to. And he says this, he says, make the master proud of you by being good citizens. Respect the authorities, whatever their level, whether they are, uh, they are emissaries for keeping order. It is God's will that by doing good, you might cure the ignorance of the fools who think you're a danger to society. How do you cure the ignorance of the fools? You do good. Exercise your freedom by serving God, not by breaking the rules. Treat everyone you meet with dignity, love your spiritual family, revere God and respect the government. And I know there's a thousand different emotions that might stir up in you when you hear that, but guess what? Let God win. Let his word win. Submit yourself to his word, don't make his word submit to you. There's such a temptation in our day to do the wrong thing in this regard. God's word. Peter is not talking to people who have it easy and rosy. I think Peter probably put on his pink shirt before he wrote this. Because they were dealing with Roman emperors and extreme persecution. And yet this is what he writes. And so let the word of God rule in our hearts and minds. And then we have Paul, who's writing to this, this town of Thessalonica and this little church that he had helped form um, there. And these are some final instructions he gives them. And we're gonna unpack these over the next three weeks, but let's, let's read it right now. Verse 12, now we ask you, brothers and sisters, to respect those who work hard among you, who are over you in the Lord and who admonish you. Hold them in the highest regard and love because of their work. Seems a little self-serving right now, but we won't focus on this part today. Um, live in peace with each other. And we urge you, brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle. Encourage the timid. Help the weak. Be patient with everyone. And make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but always try to be kind to each other and to everyone else. And be joyful always. Pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Do not put out the Spirit's fire. Do not treat prophecies with contempt. Test everything, hold on to the good, every, avoid every kind of evil. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. So in this section, I kind of see three different things that, that we're going to bring up over the next three Sundays. The first one is cultivate gratitude, so we're going to focus on that today. Next week, we're going to focus on what it means to consecrate ourselves. It's going to get serious. Don't come. Do not come to church next week. It's gonna be serious. If 
you want to just keep doing life the way you're doing it and not have to make any changes, don't come to church next week because it's going to be serious. It's going to be good. It's going to be good. And then the last week, we're going to talk about what it means to serve the Lord in our day and age. So we'll unpack those things. We're going to be unpacking those on Wednesday nights as well. Um, This actually goes along with all of that. But cultivate gratitude. I want to focus in on verse 16, 17, 18, and 19. So be joyful always is what Paul is admonishing the Thessalonians to do. To be joyful always. Does anybody know what always in the Greek is? Always. It's not that complicated. He's saying be joyful always. And then he says, and pray continually. And it's basically, it's, it's, it's both and. There are always going to be situations where you need to be praying. But no matter how heavy the situation is, you need to be rejoicing. Rejoicing in the Lord always. And Paul's not talking to a people that, again, have it made in the shade. In the Thessalonian church, they were, there was a bustling city, it was a happening place, but the Christians were being persecuted. Ray Stedman writes this in his book, in his uh, intro to, to Thessalonians, the pagans of Thessalonica were severely persecuting the Christians, threatening them and taking away their property. So these early Christians were called upon to endure hard things for the cause of Christ. In that city, sexual promiscuity was common, was even regarded as a religious rite, and to live a life of chastity was to be regarded as a freak. Therefore, as is the case today, there was great pressure upon these new Christians to fall into line with the common practices of their day. So there was a challenge to, to their way of life. There was a challenge to, to the way of the, of the gospel, to the way of Christ. Following Jesus was difficult and persecuted and actually cost them something in the natural and in the practical. And yet Paul says to them, I just want you to remember to rejoice always. And Paul, who's writing these words, we know his situation. He's been beaten. He's been flogged. He's been imprisoned unjustly. He's constantly ridiculed even by the Christians as being not one who should be listened to because he wasn't one of the 12 apostles. And yet he felt called by God to be this apostle and to speak in that way. And in all of his trials and troubles, he's a person who has realized it's so important to rejoice. Always. We've got to figure out how to cultivate gratitude in this time, in this time of challenge in our world. And another reason, if you look through the whole of Scripture, gratitude and thankfulness is such an important thing. Actually, it says that we access God's presence. We enter his gates with thanksgiving. That's how important thanksgiving is. The Bible talks about the joy of the Lord is our strength. And if we can figure out how to find the joy in the presence of the Lord, we'll be able to rejoice. And that joy somehow becomes strength for us as we go into life and go into challenge and go into heaviness and despair. And if we're not learning to rejoice in the Lord, we're gonna be kind of working off our own joy and our own joy is so fleeting, so conditional, which means our strength will be fleeting and conditional as well. And then it's interesting if you look into the life of Jonah. Jonah, you know, the guy, go to Nineveh and, and, and preach, you know, 40 days in judgment, and he's like, yeah, that's cool. No, I'm going the opposite way to Tarsus. And then he's down in Tarsus, and he's all, let's get on a boat. And then, bam, fish, he's inside. And he's inside this fish, and in, in Jonah chapter 2, he, he kind of goes into this kind of prophetic, poetic utterance. 
And uh, the way it starts out is, I cried out to you from the depths of Sheol. Basically, Jonah thought he went to hell. Based on his understanding at that day and age of what hell was, it was darkness, it was burning, it was all those things that kind of Jesus unpacked a little bit more. And where is he? He's inside a fish, so it's dark. He's inside a fish, there's a little bit of burning, it's called stomach acid, but he didn't know that. He thought he had died, he thought it was over. And yet in that place, as he continues on, he ultimately gets to the end of this poetic, prophetic utterance, and he says, and then I offered to you thanksgiving. And like the very next verse is, and the Lord commanded the fish to spit him out. Somehow when his heart began to turn towards gratitude, it moved, the, moved God in a way that got him right where he needed to be. And you think about Paul, same thing. Paul, right before he went to Thessalonica to go plant this church, he was in a place called Philippi and he had been arrested and they had been put in prison and he and Silas were in you know, locks and stocks and they're in the prison and, and they're just kind of lying there all tangled up. And it says that at midnight, what'd they do? They started singing. Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keep light in the dark. No, I don't, they probably sang a different song. They started singing it out, filling the whole jail with gratitude and thanksgiving for all that God had done for them, for who Jesus was with them right in that moment. And what happened? Earthquake. Everything started shaking and the stocks and the locks came off and the prison doors opened and they just kept singing. They kept singing until the Philippian jailer was about to kill himself and they're like, whoa, 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 chill out, man. We're all still here. And then he ends up giving his whole life to the Lord and his family as well. And so Paul's coming off of this. He knows the power of gratitude. He's seen it in action. And so he's calling to the Thessalonians, hey, I know you're going through hard times. I know I didn't get to spend time with you long enough. I know you're new in faith. I know you're new in the Lord. You're not sure what to do in all the face of these challenges. But he said, here's some final things. Rejoice always. And pray continually. And then he takes it a little deeper. He says, give thanks in all circumstances. Just in case you weren't sure what rejoice always means. Give thanks in all circumstances. All circumstances. Paul is not naive. He's not ignorant. He's saying all circumstances because he knows some circumstances suck horribly. But give thanks in those circumstances. This is what the people of God do. This is what the followers of Christ do. They give thanks in all those circumstances. And then to make it even further, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Takes it next, sir. It's very rare that you see that, like you're always, we're always like, God, what's your will for my life? And there's a few things, times in scripture where it actually spelled out, this is God's will for you. This is one of them. First Thessalonians 5.18, give thanks in all circumstances, God's will for you. First Thessalonians 4, um, just a chapter earlier, it says it is God's will that you should be sanctified, that you should avoid sexual immorality. Bam, next week, can't talk about it now. Consecration, it's all there, coming at you. Set first Peter 2.15, for it is God's will that by doing good you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. We read that verse already in light of all the chaos. And then 2 Peter 3.9, it says, 
It's not God's will or it's God's will that no one should perish, but that all should come to repentance. This is God's will for us. And one of the things that is God's will is that we are thankful. I know it seems silly. I know it seems almost new agey or something. And there's all kinds of psychological, sociological studies that you can do that show actually the benefit of your own soul if you can cultivate gratitude and thanksgiving. If you can dwell on the good and think about those things. But it's deeper than just some sort of self-help in this regard. But this is what he's saying. And then what's so interesting, and I think verse 19 is kind of the key to this whole section Basically, I look at verse 19, do not put out the Spirit's fire. It's like if we do the things from 12 through 23 or 24, then we'll find ourselves stoking the Spirit's fire within us. But if we neglect these things, we'll find the Spirit dwindling and diminishing. And that's our hope. This whole fasting season is we're wanting to develop a hunger for God, a hunger for righteousness, we want to see the Spirit of God stoked into a bigger flame than it's ever been in our hearts as we go into another year that might have all headwind against us again. And somehow when we cultivate gratitude in our own soul, cultivate gratitude in our marriages or in our households, yeah, I'm talking about your roommates or your friends, whatever, like, hey man, let's just take some time and give thanks. Boy, they're going to look at you weird. Cultivate gratitude. Stopping before you eat, cultivating gratitude, giving thanks. All of these things are beneficial practices. And ultimately in our world, if we could figure out how to cultivate gratitude instead of stand against and fight and add to the noise, it would be a beautiful contribution that the church would be making to do this type of stuff. And if we go on, we, 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 uh, we kind of have this thing. I, I've been unpacking this. I talked about it last week a little bit, and, and uh, it's, it's a lesson that's ongoing in my life, so I, I'm sorry if it seems like a little confusing or, or redundant, but um, last week I talked about how uh, my wife sat us down for prayer, and my daughter Bella said she saw 2020 as the ship in a storm, but then 2021 she saw flowers everywhere. And I was like, oh, that's a nice thought, you know, made some jokes about it. But then I went home and, and this guy uh, emailed me and he's saying, hey, your daughter's not just, you know, blowing smoke there, but it's actually the Bible says that as well. And he sent me this verse in second, uh, or Song of Songs, yeah, Song of Songs 2, um, and I can read it to you. Uh, first service, they wouldn't put Song of Songs up because it's a little too X-rated. Um, if you don't know what I'm talking about, sorry, but... <laughs> Just kidding, did you? I don't know if we have it now, but song, song of Songs 2, um, it says, uh, my lover spoke to me and said, arise, my darling, my beautiful one, and come with me. See, the winter is past, the rains are over or gone, flowers appear on the earth. The, time, the season of singing has come, the cooing of doves is heard in our land. And I, I just know, because I've watched you know, the Lord interact with my daughter and um, and I know that there, this was just like a confirmation, kind of making, making me realize that this wasn't just a sentiment from an from a 11-year-old daughter, but, but it's actually the Lord is wanting to speak to this. And, and, and it was so encouraging to get that and be like, okay, I just need to put this everywhere. I need to put this you know, in my office, at my house, this verse, because it's like confirmed. But then like Wednesday happened, right? And I was playing basketball with these guys and, and they kept you know, you know, like showing me, check this out, check this out. And I was like, I don't look like flowers. 
Some of those guys did not look like flowers. And, and you know, it's just this like, this crash between, maybe the Lord isn't really saying that. Maybe I got it wrong. Or maybe the Lord was saying that and it's coming. Or, I, you know, I was just wrestling this through, but then I started thinking about my daughter, Bella, and it made perfect sense to me because my daughter, Bella, when she wakes up, she doesn't see flowers. You know what the first thing she sees when she wakes up? She sees her wheelchair. And she jumps in that thing and goes through life. And she, her life is full of flowers, if you ask her, though. And then I've been on dates with my daughter, you know. So I'll get in a wheelchair, and, you know, and then we'll go together. Wheelchair dates, it's kind of fun. And I'll get to see the way people see us, to see the way people see her. And, and so many people, when they see my daughter Bella, what they see is a wheelchair. And they are the stupidest idiots in the world. Because that is such a minuscule part of her life. She's a chef. She has been a cheerleader. She gets up on the stage at our Christmas plays and just like, bam, steals the show. She can memorize lines. It's so crazy. I wouldn't get in front of anybody ever when I was a kid. She's been a Disney model. She's a great swimmer. She's a total goofball. She's hilarious. She's great at telling stories. And she is the sweetest, most comforting thing that you have ever met in your life. The other day, literally, we have goats. That's a weird other story. But we have these two goats, and I don't know what was going on, but for some reason, they were just like screaming so much. And they usually don't do that, but this day, they were just screaming all the time. And I was like, I said, Bella, can you go hang out with the goats for a little bit? I think I'll go out there, and it won't help. And she was like, because she knows that she, we named her Bella Rafa, which is beautiful healer. Because although she needs healing, we know that she's gonna give healing to the world. And we've seen it time and time again. And so she went out there and I didn't hear the goats anymore. And we watch football, she can't watch football games with us. At least not to the end, because she knows one team's gonna lose. And she's just like, they just put the camera on them for so long and I just can't. She can't take it when she sees the team lose. This is who she is. And if, you do, and if you miss that, you're, you're an idiot. And, and it's the same thing where she has to cultivate gratitude. When God says there's flowers everywhere, Bella believes there's gonna be flowers everywhere. It doesn't mean that everything's gonna change for her. She's still got challenges. But the flowers are there for those who will find it. And I love that. In Song of Songs, it's what it, it says, arise and come with me. It's basically like you need to come up out of the situation you're in and let me show you the flowers. And I think about when Jesus said to his disciples, hey, guys, you're gonna go through hard times. I know you are not Roman, so you have no rights and you have oppression. I know you're not well-to-do Jews. You're kind of the lower class, the worthless. And you've left all of that to follow me. And you basically have nothing at all. But he said, I want you to every once in a while, when it's feeling really heavy, I want you to look and see the flowers. Jesus told his disciples, look at the flowers of the field. They neither toil nor spin, but yet they are arrayed more beautifully than Solomon in all of his splendor. I want you to look for the flowers. I want you to find the flowers, and I want you to ponder the flowers. Because ultimately what's going to happen is you're going to realize God loves you, and God's going to take care of you. He's going to give you everything you need for life and godliness. But it's really easy to miss the flowers these days. 
But as a church, we understand that the whole earth is filled with the Lord's glory. Isaiah spoke that out as a prophet in a really tough time. The whole earth is filled with his glory. There are flowers everywhere. And we, the people of God, we need to figure out how to cultivate gratitude. We can't just be thankful when we get what we want. We gotta be thankful knowing God has given us everything that we really need. So we gotta cultivate gratitude. And the best way to do that, and we're gonna finish with this, is 